Hello and welcome to Improvsophy, the show where we have living room discussions for your daily life. Today we'll be starting a five-part series on C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. I hope you enjoy. Okay. Alright, we are here reading... The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Okay, so let me go off for starting. Um, something I got interesting. I, I had this feeling of don't mark up the book. And I only marked just one spot of it starting out. Uh, page two. So, well, first, Four Loves is basically a few different loves. Um, what Lewis goes into. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I've only read through the introduction and what is it the first two chapters of it so introduction and likings and loves for the subhuman um i found it the introduction not only the introduction but the second um, chapter to be quite interesting um this was the only line i underlined i still think that if all we mean by our love is a craving to be loved, we are in a very deplorable state. I think it's... My guess is what Lewis is talking about there is always just desiring only wanting to be loved rather than a desire to want to love others because that sounds almost like a, a selfish type of love if it can even be called that. So always wanting to receive from people, but never the desire to give. Yeah, I think it was, it mentioned somewhere that love is a connection between two. So if I say I love Doritos, the issue is that Doritos can't love me back. So it's not actually love because it doesn't, it doesn't connect to subjects. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if we're just wanting love, it's it's like a one-way street. It's not actually um, circling back. So it, um, yeah, so it has an introduction, then it has a liking and loves for the subhuman, then it gets into the four uh, Greek words for love, basically, mm-hmm. that are used within the Bible. Um So yeah, the introduction, uh, C.S. Lewis, he tries to differentiate between need love and gift love. Mm-hmm. Um, need love being like the love of a child who, like if a child's not loved, it actually causes developmental issues. Um, and, and then gift love is, I, I guess, an access to that, like out of the the goodness of someone's heart giving um, gifts to someone who already has the means to buy themselves gifts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, yeah, just go through it. Yeah, so I did find that to be a good introduction. I mean, Lewis has a way of writing because I've gone through, I think, seven or eight of his books already. And um, there's a reason why he was, uh, I think it was... 
a fellow i know he was a fellow at oxford but i think it's for literature and there's there is definitely a reason for that whenever you read his work because he writes in such a very clear i both a clear way but in a way that makes you also feel smart but that that's what i tend to notice whenever he writes uh most of these things though from what i notice in the introduction like you mentioned the gift love and the uh, what was the other thing a need love and gift love yeah I, I feel like he sets a good definition for them um too much of the i feel like too much of the need love is um too much need love is selfish while too much gift love can be exhausting at least for yourself if you constantly are giving of yourself but i don't think lewis even i don't think lewis alludes to that necessarily that's but, actually a really good um it's an interesting idea i was talking with friends at work the other day and i was trying to describe uh, what what love is and i was telling them that love involves self-sacrifice mm-hmm and their their first words were like that sounds really unhealthy um and i get what they're saying if you if you tell like a little kid like it's not good for you to have pleasures you shouldn't enjoy yourself uh pleasures are bad just give everything you own away that's like super bad for their development but i i think like i think like the pinnacle or capstone of love could be self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like if you tell someone, like day one, you need to sacrifice, you need to not take up space, you need to not enjoy pleasures of life. It, it would like kind of miss the point. Um, like you need to like have enough like ego to to sacrifice your ego and like put the other person first. Mm-hmm. Um, like you need to kind of believe that pleasures are good to then sacrifice and say, no, I want you to have the pleasures um, first and foremost out of love. Because mm-hmm. you, you kind of get into these weird places where it's like any pleasures, like evil and everything that's kind of detached is like better. Um it doesn't seem like that's what C.S. Lewis thinks. No, I, I think he probably would agree with that in terms of um, too much self-sacrifice of yourself, like I mentioned, would be way too exhausting. And like you were just saying, if, you, if somebody just came in and, and you were just telling him, okay, so you have to give up everything, you have to do this and this and this, that would be... Um, probably beyond what they're called to do because not everyone is called to give quite literally everything there are those who mm. who are called in in that manner but that's not a calling for everybody it depends on the person on what they're supposed to do in their life yeah it can kind of feel controlling if mm-hmm. if you immediately tell someone they're like not allowed to have anything or mm-hmm. something uh yeah i think you need to like know creation is good first before you um sacrifice it for the higher good uh 
And and I guess it does get to this point where sacrifice doesn't make sense. Like the Abraham putting Isaac on the altar. Isaac's like the known heir. He's like the known way of of having a successor. Um, but but to be able to sacrifice the known the known way for the higher good is takes a lot of faith and um, yeah, it is like a. I don't want to say miracle. What's a better word? Uh, that would I would say is a proper order of sacrifice. It's like a capstone of love. It's like you you've loved enough to make room for like a higher mm-hmm. a higher potential good. And yeah, I think another way of putting it is having our loves properly ordered. Um, so, for instance, what if you are sacrificing something but you sacrifice it for the wrong reasons so for instance the story of Cain and Abel where God took Abel's sacrifice and saw it as pleasing while Cain's sacrifice the scripture doesn't mention exactly how it's um, the scripture doesn't mention exactly how Cain's sacrifice was not fully pleasing to God but God did not accept the sacrifice. So for whatever reason, Cain's sacrifice wasn't um, taken by God. I think another good way of putting it is, if you notice in the, in the text of Scripture, Abel gave his best, while Cain only gave just simply one of as many offerings. So... I guess bringing them back around to sacrifice, if we're going to sacrifice something, what is our heart's intent on that matter? What is our love in, in regards to bringing it to the theme of this? What is the heart trying to really do when it's trying to sacrifice something? Because if it's, what is it, need love versus, I keep, I'm not, I don't have the best. <laughs> need love versus gift love. Yeah. <laughs> If our need, if our gift love, I suppose a good way of putting it like this is, if our gift love or gifting of ourselves is given in such a way that's more selfish than our need love, you could say, would be receiving selfishness in a sense. But obviously not everybody is like that because somebody can give selflessly, but yet somebody receives it in a selfish manner. But the question is, should we still give selflessly, even if somebody receives it selfishly? That's the question that we should ask. But I suppose with the introduction, um, having our loves ordered, I think is a good way of putting it. Yeah, I think this is kind of where C.S. Lewis takes the need and... um need love and gift love he he seems to really ex- accept the the limitations of this way of thinking uh, let me just read a part this is on page five uh, for what can be more unlike than fullness and need sovereignty and humility righteousness and penance limitless power and a cry for help this paradox staggered me when i ran into it first it also wrecked my previous attempts to write about love 
and I, I guess I'm missing a little context, but basically saying there's there's some part of the human soul that can cry for help, and C.S. Lewis sees it more of like a need than a than a gift when mm-hmm. when you're at the end of your rope and you're you're crying for help. He seems he seems to see that the need for love at a religious depth as a as a need and not a gift. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to piece together exactly how how it's put together. Uh, I think. Let's see here. For. I think when Lewis is saying limitless power and a cry for help when he's asking that question, I'm wondering if he's, because to him it it seems like a paradox, but some people think that some things of God are, don't make sense entirely. For one, his love. Why would he do such a thing? But, I think in regards to it, there's the proper orderliness of, as Lewis will put it, the need love and the gift love. Although, in reality, does God need anything? No. So, I suppose, because him being the infinite being, he doesn't need anything, but he gifts everything. But we, as finite creatures, are the ones who are in need of God and what he can give to us and I suppose the question could be how is it that our need love can be properly ordered how is it that we can receive love well and not selfishly what do you think about that uh yeah, the def. Hmm. Yeah, the, the first, the first thought that came to mind, uh, of just someone like misunderstanding love is. I like I have this kind of thing with how, the restaurant industry is, and. In the U.S., like we're such we're very consumeristic, so we care a lot about products and like the goods and services. So we care a lot more about goods rather than services. So sometimes I like to tip people, um, just like randomly. And one time I tipped someone at McDonald's and they just ended up like putting more food in my bag. <laughs> I like, they, was it one of those things where they flip the, uh, the tablet around and you just press tip or something or? No, it was like a McDonald's. So they like, they like didn't care about the employees. Like they didn't give them tips. Oh, okay. So I tipped them and then they're like putting like extra nuggets in my bag <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like this. Like, did I just bribe you? Like, this is <laughs> this is not what I meant. Um, it was, uh, yeah. I, hmm. Yeah, I, I guess it also adds into what what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's difficult though because people need to 
make a choice. You can, um, well, first off, I can't really talk too much to the psychology of the situation. Um, but I can like say something that sounds reasonable, but I, I'm not actually coming to conclusion about this person. Um, like you, you could view things in terms of favoritism and then use that in how you interpret things. Even if they are acts of love, you could say, Oh, this is like a favoritism tip. Let me show favoritism back. And, and it like misses the, the point a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I, I think part of it is you can substitute like an imperfect form for what you're looking for in love and like look for that and respond to it and kind of still miss the point. Uh, repeat that one more time. I, I, I missed that. Because I think it sounded very important. Repeat that one more time. <laughs> uh, you could be looking for something and thinking it's love, but it's not, and you're kind of missing the point. Mm -hmm. Like, you you can be looking for someone that gives you small little gifts, mm -hmm. and you, you think that's love through having someone that just gives you little tokens all the time. Uh, but it's... It, it could be from like the wrong um i i guess it could be looking at for security in the like wrong things mm -hmm. it doesn't have like faith in the connection it's kind of like using externals or or something lower to um to define as love yeah i i think i think a good way to sum that up is looking for love in all the wrong places would you say or do you think it's a little bit more than that? I, I guess I'm thinking of like kind of creating positive feedback loops of like defining it poorly. Mm -hmm. Like if if love means someone someone just nods their heads and encourages me with everything I do, and then I'm like actually making a bad moral decision. Um, I feel like a loving thing to do would to maybe try to give me perspective or stop me um, not just like clapping when I'm like actually making like life mistakes <laughs> or something uh, so yeah like I, I don't know I could I could want someone that just just has like this positive regard and is like doesn't have a moral compass <laughs> And I could gravitate towards those people and make like positive feedback loops mm -hmm. of getting in groups of people where everything just goes, and then it's not it's not really love because um, hmm yeah why, yeah why wouldn't that be love if if you get around if you make a choice to define love a certain way and then surround yourself with people who are pretty everything goes yeah. I, I think it depends on I suppose like what you were mentioning is who you're surrounding yourself with because it sounds at least to me the way you're describing it is a lot of yes men like oh yeah go ahead go for it yeah go ahead snort a line of cocaine it's fine it'll give you a lot of energy yeah, I, I don't know if that would be the, the type of people I would be around. Um, even though it would be kind of... Depending on the... In a realistic situation, saying, 
oh hey i, I kind of want to date this person even though everybody knows that that's the type of person you probably shouldn't date but they're going they're telling you yeah go ahead because they don't they're afraid to offend you or what have you i suppose that's not being truly loving because to truly love somebody means you're willing to hurt their feelings in the short term so that way in the long term they can prosper or at the very least not suffer in the long term um to give i suppose going back to the whole I, how would we put it need love or gift love in this sense um if we're surrounding ourselves with certain people i'm wondering if it's a need love that we're seeking in that moment because we're desiring certain people to be around now maybe we we surround ourselves inadvertently with people who are more i'm and i'm saying this in regards to myself who are more go with the flow because i'm more go with the flow but i'm willing at the very least to say hey i don't know if this is necessarily a good idea but i don't know it it would just depend like i said on the situation i feel like i'm kind of going in a circle here (laughs) um let me go back to the need love gift love thing i suppose in order to have a proper need love it would be good to have a proper gift love how can you properly give yourself away while at the same time receiving a good need love from others not sure if i've already asked that type of question i suppose i'm noticing i'm saying that a lot (laughs) i promise i'm not trying to make myself sound smarter i'm just trying to avoid a lot of ums ands uhs and like and like and like i'm trying to avoid those types of words because i don't know we we do have a very like known idea that as a form of punishment you isolate someone mm-hmm. that you put someone in time out you know 30 seconds times their age when it's like a little kid um or like even you know you put people on prison or you maroon them on islands. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, these are, I, I guess we kind of are aware of this, um, like need for other people. Mm-hmm. And we even leverage it in our, uh, justice systems. Um, yes, I, the needs just, super prevalent um i i'm thinking right now unless do you still have a thought that you're wanting to finish okay i'm thinking right now how do we apply this to our own daily lives and even for other people who anybody who even if it's one or two people who might even listen to this um how do we apply a proper need love for ourselves and then how do we apply a proper gift love to others because some people have a tendency of wanting to have a good gift love but why is it that we would be giving too much of ourselves is it that we want to be liked i mean that's 
said so many times do you do things because you, you want to be liked or is it because you just simply don't want to offend people because if that's if you consider that a gift love i think that's a disorderly gift love because you're not uh, willing to offend for love's sake and I suppose a good need love is to be willing to be offended for love's sake. Because there are times where you need to be warned, hey, you're headed in the wrong direction, friend. You, that's not the way you should be going. Um, hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, a couple things, like... Like you can try to stop people like from from creating a hell for themselves, mm -hmm. uh, but but there are cases where humans just get hell bent and they're mm -hmm. they're they're just like possessed by this this idea that isn't going to bring them happiness, like obsession or love of money, um, um, love of power, and you can, you can do it. You you can to warn them. Um, but you can't really control people. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as need and want, um, it just, I don't know. Just just the way that's worded makes me think of like accounting, like <laughs> like oh, I need this much money in so that I can be this much charitable out. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to be like really charitable. But there's you know I got to make my body operate. I, I, I think, um, I, I feel like that's like missing something. Like there, there has to be this, this depth of, of peace that I have nothing to prove, uh, in order to love people well. Hmm. Like I am misunderstood by everyone, but I still have nothing to prove. Hmm. Um, like, it's a shame that, you know, St. John was marooned on an island at the end of the Bible or something. Like, that, what a what a cruel thing to do to him. Oh, yeah, in uh, Revelation, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Patmos. Yeah, like, yeah, the, Bi the Bible just ends in this, like... Apocalyptic manner. Like, yeah, just this, like, LSD trip from St. John <laughs> on the island, and then the Bible is just, like, over. And the readers are like, what happened here? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I, I think there is. It's weird because you don't want to put limits on it and say, when I don't get enough need love, I'm just going to like break or something. Mm -hmm. I, I think there are people that have done heroic things in the face of everyone you know criticizing them and mocking them and they had this peace of mind and firm conviction to their morals and their ideals but yeah i guess for i guess for practical life it it's not good to give so much of yourself that you like destabilize mm -hmm. yourself because like, like you do, you can, but if, if you're causing imbalance in yourself, that's, 
that's a problem. Um, but but that's not to deny that there's people of, of great callings with great faith that uh, have given up much more and have been much holier mm -hmm. men. Yeah. But though what you're mentioning there, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, man who quite literally worked himself to death, but he, he had a distinct calling. Those are people who are quite literally called to their vocation. Um, that's not for, but that calling is not meant for everybody. Those are for exceptional people, um, depending on if you have a calling to be in some sort of, I don't know, religious life, whether it be a priest, a nun, a monk, or even a pastor, those are certain vocations that are ordained on you by God himself. And some people, I would say, it's developed. For the most part, if it's something that you're called to, something that God would give you the means necessary to do those things. But... I think in terms of giving yourself in greater measure, that is, some people have those greater measures naturally, and I think some are, people are naturally born with that, while those of us who have a harder time doing that, that's a grace that we have to reach out for. Um, for what the Holy Spirit gives to us is something we need to receive in even greater measure on a daily basis. Does that make sense? Yeah, my mind was was just thinking about uh, Abraham in the Bible. Like, what the heck was he doing before he had his calling? Like, what was he? What was he doing for all those yeah. years? Um, I, from what I can remember, he lived in a pagan land. I believe he lived amongst the pagans, and I think he himself was probably a pagan of his day and age until God called him forth out of his culture to be um, the father of the Jews. I think that's what it was. And that was a distinct calling for him specifically um, to make way for the Messiah eventually. But my question is, for what, what sake was it? Let me, let me put it in simplistic terms. Uh, what was the calling for Abraham that would cause the love of God to be magnified? That's a question I'm wondering. Do you have any, do you have an answer for that? Uh, yeah, I think... Like his calling was to like be the be the father of of a great nation that um whose goal would be a nation of priests to all nations mm -hmm. so it's it's a little bit like a mustard seed or or something small that grows. suppose it starts out simply with faith uh, because in Romans it states that um, by faith Abraham was justified 
and he believed he believed unto God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So I suppose he simply believed unto God. And in so believing, he acted out his faith. So I suppose where love can start from isn't just a mere feeling, but it's uh, belief and then belief in action. I in and then action. Not in action as in you're inert, but actively doing something. Yeah, I think there's also place for hope in love mm -hmm. um that love hopes all things and hope is hope is seeing potential in things so it, it's it's seeing potential and wanting that potential to grow in, into fruition like, like i've met i've met some christians who are like super hopeless they're mm -hmm. like oh can god just like end the world so we can you know, start over and be in heaven or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's like, so like bad. Cause it, it sees no like hope in the modern world. Like it, like it sees no potential. It sees nothing redeemable. Um, you know, and, and I, I think if you have hope, you can see the goodness and like want to water it and want it to grow and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But when, when your worldview has, your pessimism being like reinforced by religion and there's no hope, then that's, I think that's a problem for love. Yeah. There's a song lyric uh, called the wretch from a song called the wretched and godless by impending doom. The ending of the song says sometimes I wouldn't blame God if he lit the world on fire. It's like, I can understand that mindset because you see so much evil in the world. Some people ask the question, why does, if there's such a good God, why does evil exist? That's always a good question. The question of the, the technical term is theodicy. Um, I don't think there's really a satisfying answer one way or the other. Why does God allow evil? Or, well, let's just say that there is no God. Well, you still have the issue of evil still existing, but evil exists without purpose. So without without any purpose you can't say a good thing is good or an evil thing is evil you can just say a thing is because it just simply is somebody suffers because they just suffer imagine saying that to a child by their bedside oh you're suffering because you just suffer and the universe is just a cruel place so you might as well just die imagine saying that to a child without without uh, a hope in at the very least an afterlife when you say but when you're sitting next to the child you can say you have hope there is love i know things are terrible now but these are afflictions that will last for a short time but you will be together with god in glory even if it's a very hard thing to do i'm sure some people have had to I'm sure many pastors and priests have had to sit at the bedside of certain children and try to explain that to them, which I don't know if I could do something like that, but it, it would be a very hard thing. But you can at least tell them your suffering means something rather than saying, 
I'll just suck it up and deal with it. Kind of an, I suppose, even though I like them, it's kind of a Nietzschean understanding where you're just striving to overcome um, whatever obstacle in life just by sheer force. I like Nietzsche, but unfortunately his worldview can be used in a negative manner. Oh, well, I feel like I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we should just go to the, the second chapter. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so C.S. Lewis, he does the intro. He talks about need and want love. Mm-hmm. And then he moves on to likings and loves for the subhuman. So this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier when I, when I was talking about imperfect forms of love. Yeah. Uh, and the first distinction he makes is the difference between liking something and loving it. That, that to like means to take some sort of pleasure in something. Uh, that's from page 13. Uh, that, you know, I can... Like me saying I love Doritos, I'm really just saying I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, because Doritos can't love me back. <laughs> and... Yeah, he seems to think that, yeah, he seems to think that pleasures are good. Um, They're generally, they're generally good. Um, Although he does kind of say that addiction is bad because it, it dulls your, um, your general senses, Mm -hmm. Uh, like the, the lower thing for the higher. And then he goes on to talk about, what were they? One of them was love of country because C.S. Lewis was like around, you know, World War II. Uh, Saying that, like, it's okay to love your home. It's okay to love your culture and its achievements. But but when you start using, using that to justify monstrosity, um, then it's turning into idolatry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of how many people have that idea of uh, America itself, where it's like, yeah, America got our problems for sure, but it's definitely not the worst country in the world to live in. There are, there are worse areas. I mean, for the most part, we have access to clean water we can at the very least um, have heating and air conditioning of course people struggle financially in certain ways but for the most part we we can have access to food we don't have to struggle all the time to try to see where our next meal is coming from but uh I'm trying to bring myself back so I don't get too far on a tangent. But in regards to all that, having, yeah, love of country is a good thing. But let's say you have 10 American flags up on the stage at church of a pulpit. It's like, um, I, I wonder, are, are you, do you have a proper admiration for America and some of its American values? Or are you saying America is the greatest country ever and every other country sucks? I'm like, well, 
might want to might want to see a few issues that we might have. Yeah, it's, it's like the difference between you know saying like, oh, Rome is good. We have aqueducts. We have yeah. we have like good things. We have a system of thought, and then saying, okay, I need to impose that on everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I think there's a way to appreciate your culture where you you don't feel so. Um, I don't even know what the phrase would be. Overbearing, I guess. I, I guess like feel so much like you have something to prove or that yours is the best and other people deserve to have it imposed on them. Mm-hmm. Not, not even deserve, like should have it imposed on them because their culture is less important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a healthy way to see that that every nation or every people or ethnicity that everyone kind of brings something else to like something new to the table Mm -hmm. like middle eastern hospitality versus american hospitality which is is kind of lacking like like we see how we (laughs) treat mcdonald's workers (laughs) like like a food symbolizes hospitality and and we have fast food like oh boy are we (laughs) are we culturally not there yeah for sure Although if people come into my house, it's pretty much just make yourself at home. Although I, I have, I don't really have the habit of serving people food unless if I'm actually cooking. Yeah, yeah. And there is how you choose to um, do hospitality when someone's in your your domain. Mm-hmm. Like, like you have an area of authority. It's like your house or your apartment. Uh, like like you have some box of autonomy. That when people enter into it, you get to choose how to treat them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, you know, that, that's where it all starts. Like people need to see living examples of, of things like that. Um, anyway, I'm getting way off track, but yes, as far as nationalism, I, I'll just repeat uh, that I think every culture just brings something to the table and some, some new perspective and you know, how, how all cultures will fit together, like puzzle pieces at the end of time, like who got what right and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know, but to deny that anything is there mm-hmm. is only going to lead to like war yeah. toxic nationalism yeah there, i agree there's there's a sense of positive nationalism and then yeah like you just said negative national or toxic nationalism um yeah i'd say more but uh, but this is not a, a geopolitical talk <laughs> even though geopolitics is not my forte uh yeah um uh, moving on to what lewis saying here pleasures of appreciation are very different so page 17 i'm wondering right here and in the paragraph before it and if you will forgive me for citing the most extreme instances of all have there not for most of us been moments in a strange town when the sight of the word gentleman over a door has roused a joy almost worthy of celebration in verse i'm wondering if lewis is meaning 
going to the bathroom like you've really got to go or if he's meaning because of his day and age it was a strip club of some sort because originally meaning gentlemen's clubs Uh, i'm just gonna say it was a strip club yeah (laughs) that's my reading that 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 was my two thoughts was it's either a bathroom or strip club that that was the bathroom's an extreme instance well yeah you're but yeah, it probably is that. But that that was just a little thing that I noticed. Like, hmm, interesting. But yeah, he's... Um, our loves can depend on the moment as well as he was mentioning breakfast. Because let's say you're really hungry in the morning and you really haven't had anything to eat and then lunchtime comes around and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so hungry. I want this food. You have that great desire to want to be fed because you're hungry. And then once you're satisfied you don't really have much of a satisfy or a need, excuse me, for food anymore. And so that's that um shall I say love of food kind of goes to the wayside. But then once you're hungry again, it's um comes back up. So I guess a question would be how often are our loves disordered by what we are desiring in the moment? So, say, impulsive buying, or uh, too much food, or, as Lewis would have mentioned, the alcoholic, uh, too much alcohol, whether it be too much wine, whiskey, or whatever your choice of drink would be. What are your thoughts on that? Like, too much of something... Uh, yeah, I, I generally agree that those things are bad and excess is a issue that exists in all things. Uh, like even like a TV addiction, an excessive TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do like your wording of, what do you say, like a structured love, an ordered love? Yeah, our love's being ordered in such a way. Yeah, but I've also heard of the phrase an ordered soul, which is, what was making me think of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had this friend. She was telling me that the purpose of life is to learn to love people well. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Love well. Uh, yeah, and, and she related that to an ordered soul. But I, I think you guys are probably having the same conversation. Oh, what do you mean? Like, just uh, the way I'm saying it and then the way she was probably saying it, we we kind of would have agreed in how we were saying it. Is that what probably. You okay. She said on two different instances, the purpose of life is to love people well, and then it's necessary to have a well-ordered soul. Mm, okay. And you're just, like, kind of gluing those together. <laughs> like, like, you need to have ordered loves. Mm-hmm. Um. Like it's good it's good to love a dog um uh, and have have a yard for it so the dog can exhibit its nature properly mm-hmm. and that does that doesn't necessarily mean you should hoard dogs and have like a billion of them <laughs> like like just have what you can you know what you can manage and what you can love well.
I'm not sure where I'm going with this. It's okay. You so I think I get the gist of what you're saying. Uh, having well ordered love uh, and putting things in their proper place, as you mentioned earlier, uh, binging. Well, uh, too much TV, too much Netflix, too much Hulu, whichever your streaming device platform you would prefer. I would say as well, uh, very prevalent for our day and age as well, too much time with video games. And I say that as somebody who enjoys video games, but I've, it's, it's now more uh, once in a while rather than binging eight hours every day once I get home from work. Because you need time as well to care for your body. And if you're sitting there all the time, just the only thing you're working out is are your fingers on the controller, your body is being neglected. It's good to have a proper love of things, uh, having a proper love of video games. Nothing wrong with that. But again, if it's like any hobby, whether it be uh, cars, especially sports because i notice a lot of people who are into sports as well tend to be very out of shape because you know you have um let's say for foot american football uh 11 guys on each side for the most part most of them are pretty muscular and in shape and then you've got i don't know forty thousand out of shape fans you got fat dudes uh painted viking color and all that stuff on their bodies you know body shame here yeah i body shame <laughs> oh my gosh okay <laughs> i body shame no if, if there is any fat people out there i i do not apologize but i accept you as a person i apologize <laughs> no for real. i i don't i don't hate fat people i just think um having having good health is important is a good way of putting it but my point is, if you look out in some of the stands, you got dudes with paint all over their bodies. But the comparison is video, uh, your massive interest in video games and mattress, massive interest in sports. Two different hobbies, but if you're not really doing anything with yourself in terms of self-improvement or what have you, I think you're a bit disordered in that manner. But at the same time, nobody is perfect. Nobody's going to have the, a total pursuit for what is the uh, most good. Is a good way of putting it. I'd say what is the most good is pursuit of things that help you, that help build one another up in love. Does that all make sense? Yeah, it, it riffs with um, C.S. Lewis, Loves for the Subhuman. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you love something in a way that becomes damaging to yourself through like addiction, not taking care of yourself or like watching football while uh, your wife is asking you to help her with dinner. Mm -hmm. Like if, if it's starting to affect your relationships, then yeah, it, it does become like poor investment. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, another thing C.S. Lewis talks about, so he talks about the love of, you know, the love of nationalism, which is, I, I guess it's like a pathology of loving too much order and too much, like, civilization. Then there's 
He also mentions the love of nature, which I guess is um, kind of goes on the spectrum of of like a like more chaos and um, uncivilizedness. Um, whereas the center is a garden, um, typically between order and chaos and civilization, nature. Uh, but yeah, when he talks about the love of nature. He relates it a lot to paganism, yeah. uh, that we have these like base. Not not the meme word based, based. but the the original term of based, debased. Continue. Debased. Uh, yeah, just I guess it can become like this weird worship of like flowers and. Um, Hmm. I I guess just all the. Hmm. Sorry, I'm flipping through my book to try to find something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess love of nature can get on <laughs> so track. Like, let's talk about pagans now. Think about fertility worship, and like loving the natural. that you want to like blow things out of proportion Mm -hmm. the ability to bear a child or uh, the ability to eat to the point that it's like gluttonous um that these are pleasures and they're good and they're part of our nature but they don't they don't really say anything extra about the human condition if Mm. if you just want more of the same pleasures yeah i think a good i think a good indicator of this for our culture especially is hustle culture people are hustle 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 trying to get more get ahead get the next promotion get ahead have a side job have uh do uber on the side and then you go to your day job and then you're trying to take care of family and then you're it's almost like having too much on your plate is seen as someone of something of a virtue because some people probably see it as you're making more money to help provide for your family. It's a question of, well, what's more important time with loved ones or making more money to help provide. Now there's nothing wrong with making more money to provide, but the question is what's more important time or money time doesn't money doesn't always buy time. Obviously, if you're a multi or retired multimillionaire, you can live off of what you want and you have as much time as you need. I'm talking the average everyday person, even people who might make six figure salaries who are working 70, 80 hours a week. Mm. That's those are the type of people I'm talking about who are trying to always make more money, who are trying to think, oh, I need to do this so we can go on vacation. We can do this to, um, give our kids more when as a matter of fact you probably have all the necessities you need you have uh, running water you have you have a toilet for crying out loud you have yeah hope so uh clean water too at that you probably have water heater so nice hot showers my the point i'm making is if if you're 
constantly always trying to do this, you're missing out on something. And the point that I'm trying to make with this is a rest, love of a proper love of rest is what I'm trying to get. That's that was my little tangent that I want I wanted to go on because I think it's important as we've mentioned many times here to have a proper have our loves properly ordered. And if we're um, if we're striving too much with a workaholic culture, maybe we might need to step back and say, is my health worth a six-figure salary? But yeah, I think the thing people that work ridiculous hours say mm-hmm. is they'll say, do you know how much I've sacrificed for this family? Mm-hmm. Like, look at this paycheck. Look at all this time I've done. And it's like this mis- misordering of priorities that you can view, um, you know, your credits and bank accounts as like, oh, this was self-sacrifice for the family. Um, yeah. That, hmm. I think a good way of putting this is what's better, money or virtue? I'm putting it in either or category here. Of course, there is a both and. But in terms of if I had to pick between either earning extravagant amounts of money or cultivating greater virtue, I would choose virtue. Because um, a fool with a fool with millions is uh, despised, but a wise man with little is greatly loved. And I I think the wise man with little um, probably has a better understanding of what love is versus the man who has millions but is an absolute fool. Um, So, okay, we talked about patriotism, which is the love for order or too much civilization and the love for nature, which is yeah, I guess the love for more more chaos and um, hmm, uh, love of, like state of nature kind of. Yeah, and I think what what we're speaking of right now is probably the love of material wealth too much. If we're talking hustle culture and more money. Yeah, um, I'll, I'm I'm wrapping back to that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, C.S. Lewis has this quote. Um, and they're, they're talking about the love of nature in this part. Uh, this love, when it is set up as a religion, is beginning to be a god, therefore to be a demon, and demons never keep their promises. Which page? A 28. 28, okay. And then he repeats later with going from love of nature to love of country. We all know that this love becomes a demon when it becomes a god. Uh... Yeah, C.S. Lewis seemed to have this this idea that when we have this these imperfect forms of love, they they devolve into a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like like in the money example, it'd be the 
the neglectful father that just is angry and is saying, look at how much I've done for the family with all the self-sacrifice. Um, using guilt when really this this parental figure, this analogy, wouldn't really know the first thing about love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then if you tell someone like that you're a workaholic, so, sometimes they'll just deny it as a problem and they'll say yeah. it's a badge of honor because it's self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So th- that would be a perversion of love um, in that example. And I, I think... It will become a, a demon if it's not, if it starts to affect your relationships or become monotheistic towards this like one false thing. Yeah. I guess a, a good quote. I don't know if it's Tolkien himself. A lot of people attribute this quote to Tolkien, but I think the sentiment still stands. Evil is not the absence of good. Rather, evil is the twisting or perversion of what is good. Mm. So, for instance, sex. But we see in our culture how sex is treated casually, flippantly, when that's a disordered way of sex. Sex in its proper context, obviously, marriage between one man and one woman. Um, But, or as well in our culture, eating we have a lot of people eat way too much i know i eat a lot but i eat i eat obviously i'm not a fat person i eat till i'm i'm full and once i'm satisfied i don't eat anymore um gluttony that's what i was trying to say gluttony um our culture has an obesity issue and the uh, many churches, and I think it's just because it's not on our forefront of our consciousness, but gluttony, it, I think, is an issue in our culture. So eating, uh, the misuse of eating is a good way of putting it. So sex, so lust and gluttony are two main issues. And I would say maybe pride, um, excessive love of self in our culture with you see a lot on social media with influencer culture. Of course, there are good positive influencers out there, but unfortunately, some of them take it too far. But how... Hmm. Like, like I, I feel a little icky about how this has been like super pessimistic, like, oh, all these people falling <laughs> short of love. Uh, I, I guess... I think it would be good if we now flip this and how, how can we make this more positive? <laughs> yeah not not like putting something in its place um I, I guess i'm curious because you can have people have disorganized love and then if you if you try to tell them that they're they're defending a you know like a false god or something mm-hmm. um then they'll kind of like put on a persona to protect their ego um, and you you won't actually get like behind that to to affecting like I, I guess their like operating system or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess I'm just trying to think of like fruitful things. If someone's a glut and you like <laughs> like have you tried religion? Like <laughs> like yeah. man, you're eating a lot of uh, 
granola bars there. I <laughs> like I, I think it's a fracture that could affect a lot of people's souls. Um, and, and the symptoms are many. Um, and you could argue that the cause is one. Um, I, I guess like the clearest way forward of what's what's actually provably uh, the most psychologically informed way to love someone. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 I think accusing them of like, oh, this is a false love first doesn't, doesn't really help because it becomes like a mud fight of people's egos. Um, like, like it, it seems like showing people a higher love, not by your own power, has to be the first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to think of like a balanced, a balanced way of having the goal of love without it turning into judgment. Mm-hmm. I think it go, go ahead. It, like, yeah, if if we're claiming, as C.S. Lewis does, that there there does exist um, subhuman forms of love. Um, he he seems to say that there is a good, there is a love that that love does in fact you know, make a pyramid towards God or something that, that, that it can have a structure to it. But, but there are very broken perversions of it. Um, yeah, to use your token thing that, mm-hmm. you know, ugly is a perversion of the beautiful and um, you know, idolatry is a, a perversion of, of true like gratefulness towards your creator or something. Um, hmm. Pe- people are finicky um, I think to turn it around here is to say although there are many issues of these things we don't have to constantly be uh, wallowing in the mud that's a good way of putting it we, we can always strive towards what is good but we, I think first we must realize, here's something that's wrong, so how can I make it right? How can I pursue what is the, the good? Or to put it in the, in the original trifecta, I don't remember what it's called, the, transcend, the transcendentals. What, is, what can we pursue that is true, that is good, and that is beautiful? Um, try to think, I would say, try to think of things that are true, good, and beautiful. Uh, and as well to add a fourth, what is lovely? How can we pursue those things and make those things into what is love? I'd say a proper love of self, because too much love of self creates narcissism. But a proper love of self, a healthy view of yourself, because obviously not all now i hope this doesn't sound anti-biblical but i don't think we're absolutely vicious apprehend repugnant creatures that are just 
nothing but an ant in the dirt. Although sometimes I'm sure we can be like that. Are you talking about the original sin idea? Um, something like that. It's more of... Uh, there are times in our lives where we're just absolutely horrible people. But there are times in our lives where we're actually better than what we were. If that makes sense. Um, of course, I would say in the eyes of a holy God, nothing can truly measure up. But through the process of becoming more like Christ, I would say uh, this is the Eastern understanding, theosis becoming like God. And how do we become more like God? By, I suppose, if we were to put it in a more secular sense, um, having more temperance in our lives. So not given ourselves over to overindulgence so too much well is there such a thing as too much money i suppose it depends on the person and how they're using their money money is just an extension of behavior that is true that is true because <laughs> i dave ramsey yeah i i don't i don't think money in and of itself is evil it is like you were saying an extension a tool that can be used um food of course, there's nothing wrong with having a good meal with people, with having a good feast. Um, but it's the issue of, are you eating your feelings, would be a good way of putting it. Um, I suppose as well, can depend on how you use your words. Watch, Watching what you say. Uh, so, for instance, putting down a friend when they're trying to help you. Even if it can come across as a little harsh but sometimes a friend even if somebody's using harsh words i suppose sometimes it can come across as wrong so depends on that situation there what are some other things um what are some things that you think might be some practical applications practical applications of of like, of like what the things that I've been that I've been saying, like for instance, too much of a thing creates disorder. How can we have a proper order of things so that way it creates order? Uh, and these are just in a general sense. Yeah, I guess just being watchful of yourself. That we know there's there are realities of excess and deficiency. Uh, that that can occur, um, and, and that we can fall out of balance, and that it's good to be centered. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think there. I, I think also just not letting other people's imbalance get to you. Uh, like we can talk in generalities about about the alcoholic or the workaholic or the, um, you know, money, power obsessed, sex obsessed. Mm -hmm. like, like we can talk about those as, you know, like as an abstract group of people that exist. Um, but, but really each like individual person is unique and complex. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it, it's like boiling down humanity and dividing the elements and then, you know, making little categories of, of things. Um, 
yeah, I think dealing in generalities um, is not going to be helpful because then it can turn into this, like, oh, the all these problematic people, and then me, um, mm. like, man, I'm the only one trying to be righteous here, and it it, it becomes this like self righteousness. I I think I I feel like you don't need to fix those abstract groups of people in your head, but just naturally respond to issues as they come up rather than trying to have a solution to the world's issues. Because um, mm-hmm. if you can be stable to yourself and then someone else is unstable and you, you can talk wisdom to them, uh, may, maybe you can... You, you can actually help them. Um, but But if one person having a in addiction and you just don't want to touch it and it's it's icky and it's going to destabilize your life um and and you kind of protect yourself and you don't have you don't have the strength to bear any problems beyond yourself um and that makes me feel like you're unstable if if you can't bear problems beyond yourself like Yeah, I, I guess learning to recenter yourself, um, to, to be careful about the groupings of people you make in your mind because they're they're gonna fall short, e- even if they're occasionally helpful. Um, they they can come, become problems if that if that's your main view of categorizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point to end on then. I don't think I have really anything else. So I guess my final thought is just um, to sum up, um, having having your loves properly ordered is a good way of putting it. And as you were just saying, don't try to make every, I guess, would you say don't try to make every person a project or don't try to see the world in extremely simplistic categories though it can help us understand things don't just say have an us versus them mindset have a hey there's these issues going on but i can still at least improve myself would you say something like that would be good yeah i think us versus them is bad and to lowball other people's natures is also bad to say like oh you have like a very low nature and mm-hmm. blah 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 um and then, yeah just just respond to things as they arise um like if someone asks you for advice you can maybe like help them with like the next step of their life uh you're not you know you're not going to just completely reconstruct their mm-hmm. um they're like ordering of love um only they can do that they have to make that choice um but just hoping all things and encouraging all things and in your fellow man in love no matter where they are and and having peace yeah (laughs) like if you have no peace you you have no stability Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have any other thoughts. You have any final thoughts as well, or is that it? No. So next time we're we're actually going through the four loves, which 
Uh, we yeah. managed to not even read the four loves this yeah. whole time. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well, this time we were we just wanted to do the introduction part of it and then the second chapter. So the other four loves will be affection, friendship, eros, and charity. Those will be uh, we're going to do those in different episodes here. So the next one will be uh, affection. And we'll we'll read on. If anybody, if there's even two people who listen to this, uh, yeah. So, The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Uh, we've already gone through chapters one and two, and then we'll be doing, like I said, affection, the chapter affection. So yeah, that's about it. I don't have anything else. Yeah, we're gonna be um, climbing up the pyramid of love. This uh, <laughs> structured loves that Jordan has been been putting on a stick and carrot and (laughs) yep we're gonna climb the pyramid folks (laughs) yeah all right that's about it see you dude